0: Welcome to the Bear Fiction Magazine Podcast. I'm Robert Harper, editor of the magazine. This week, Carly Holmes reads her short story from issue two of the magazine, The Black Night Long, and shares an extract from her first novel, The Scrapbook, published earlier this year by Parthian Books. Catherine Stansfield called The Scrapbook a beautifully crafted novel, a bittersweet exploration of family, the ties that bind and the ties that bite. And I have to say that I agree wholeheartedly. It's a lovely book. It's well worth checking it out. Carly doesn't keep her passion for writing all to herself. She also organises and hosts The Cellar Bards, a group of writers who meet monthly in Cardigan, Wales, for a highly regarded and lively evening of spoken word. Now, I'm delighted that we were lucky enough to have Carly come to read at our own event. And the recording you're about to hear was made on April the 30th, 2014, at the Goodyhoe Cafe Bar in Cardiff during the launch of Issue Two of Bear Fiction magazine. This is Carly Holmes.
1: Oh, thank you very much um, to Rob for inviting me tonight. It's, uh, it was an absolute delight to be um, part of, of Bear Fiction Issue Two and um, and to be to be here with everyone um, to c- celebrate the launch. is wonderful. I'm going to read out a very short short story that I have in in um, Issue Two. And um, and then if there's time, a very, very short extract from my novel as well. Okay, this is called the, the, the Black Night Long. I'm going to eat the moon, he said. One day soon, when I'm hungry, I'm going to reach up and pull it down from the sky and eat every last bit of it. And she believed him, because she believed that he could do anything. Will you tell me when, she asked. He nodded and put his arm around her as she shivered and the nights will be as dark as the inside of my mouth, forever and ever, and everyone will ask where it's gone, but we'll know, just us, we'll know." She wasn't sure she wanted the nights to be forever dark, but she did want to know what the moon tasted like, and she knew he'd tell her every last detail. He might even let her try a piece, if she was extra nice to him, and kept his side of the room tidy. The mother came into the bedroom and shooed them both down from the window sill. But she wasn't cross, and she kissed the girl as she tucked her in. The boy declined his own kiss. He wasn't a baby anymore. The mother laughed and gave the girl his, and the girl went to sleep, full up and smiling with the pleasure of her double share. The next night, the girl clambered to kneel on the windowsill at bedtime, wriggled her toes into the age-softened lining of the curtain at her back, and squashed her nose against the windowpane, twisting her face from side to side to catch the condensation and a glimpse of the moon. When she heard her brother creak the floorboards behind her she shuffled around so that she could push her head through the curtains gap. It's still there, she said. He smiled and patted his stomach. That's because I'm not hungry tonight. I sneaked an extra couple of potatoes when mum was in the kitchen. He scooped her up and swung her onto his bed, landing her with a low screech into the nest of pillows. "'She knew he was using her like a spaceship, "'imagining her as one of the model rockets "'that hung from the ceiling, but she didn't mind. "'The night after that, "'the girl didn't need to go to the window to see the moon. "'It was already in the room, "'poured as thick as buttercream icing on the rug. "'Oh, good,' the boy said. "'It's nearly full. "'If I wait just a couple more days, "'there'll be more of it to eat. "'I might even save you a bit.' "'He pulled the curtains closed,' but the moon crept through the worn cloth and scattered across the girl's bed. It slithered inside her ears and tangled in her eyelashes and she dreamt dreams that were star-shot and bumpy. When she woke the next morning, tears had hardened like pearls on her cheeks. Now she wanted to ask her brother not to eat the moon. There was still a little part of her that wanted to know what it tasted like, but she knew she'd miss it if it wasn't there. She watched the sun chase shadows around the house, and wondered whether she could ask him to have just one bite and leave the rest in the sky. But once he'd pulled it down, in through the window, he might not be able to throw it back. Then he'd have to eat it all anyway, to get rid of the evidence, because nobody could ever know what he'd done. The next evening, the girl gave the boy her helping of treacle pudding with custard, and only cried a little bit while she watched him slowly eating it. The evening after that, she nudged one of her sausages onto his plate, and tipped most of her gravy after it, and he winked at her and told the table that he thought he was probably too full now for anything else tonight. She smiled then as she nibbled on her broccoli and pretended that she liked it best of all the things on her plate. But the next night, when the moon was straining to balance its swollenness amongst the stars, close enough for even her to reach up and pull it down, her brother didn't want her helping of shepherd's pie. He said he wasn't that hungry right now. She went to bed with Mr. Grizzle's oversized head clutched tight to her throat and his single glass eye cool against her collarbone. The boy left the curtains wide so that the moonlight made the room shine like one of their mother's old black and white photographs. The girl shivered in her sleep. The bedroom was darker than the inside of her brother's mouth when she woke. There was something crouched by the window. She could hear it, breathing, chewing, just beyond her feet. Her toes started to tingle and curl. She scrambled up to the safety of her pillows and whispered her brother's name. There was silence, except for that steady munch, munch and the occasional stifled burp. She whispered again. His voice came to her thick and muffled. I couldn't help myself. I woke up and I was hungry. She leaned over to switch on the lamp, knocking Mr. Grizzles to the floor. Her brother reared up into the sharp, sudden light his palms full of the moon, and his mouth smeared with it. It dripped from his chin and left shiny trails across the front of his pyjamas. He held his hands out to her. Try some. It's not as tasty as I thought. The girl screamed. She stared at her brother and passed him, at the flat, relentless black at the window. The lamp flickered as if in mourning, and she thought its light too would go out. She screamed again and heard sounds from her mother at the other end of the hall. The boy clutched his stomach and bent forward. He groaned. His face, when he looked up, was green-tinged and glistening, lit from inside. He winced at his sister and held a finger to his lips. Don't tell. Then he ran from the room. The next night, the moon was back in the sky, and the girl's mother, when she tucked her into bed, pointed at it and told her about eclipses. The girl nodded and watched the thin, faraway sliver darting from cloud to cloud. Her brother smirked, but didn't dare say anything. He was in trouble for raiding the larder. Once they were alone, the boy looked across at his sister. We don't care what she thinks, do we? You know I ate the moon, and I wouldn't have spat it back out either if it hadn't given me such a bad stomach ache. He turned over and closed his eyes. The girl got up out of bed and went to the window. She stared at the sky. What does it taste like? She asked. The boy grunted and rolled onto his back. He grinned. Cream cheese, he said. The girl smiled and got back into bed. That was exactly what she thought it would taste like. Thank you. I'm just going to read a very short um, extract from uh, my novel as well. Um, This is uh, part of a, a, a page from Memory Scrapbook, and it's called A Torn Scrap of Dark Blue Handkerchief. When I first saw you, I had the sun in my eyes. You shone around the edges, a fireball of a man. In the moments it took me to focus on your center, I'd absorbed you completely, my paws plugged by your smile. You made me shy. You watched me dance, wild and uncoordinated, and my hair vivid with sweat, and you fell in love with me instantly. Knelt at my feet and pressed your handkerchief to my scratched knees as gently as you would later press your lips there. I remade myself in tune to your blinks, your frowns, your glances away from me and then back. I read your needs as they soared across your face, and I carved myself anew again and again, hacking at the rough clay of my personality and re-sculpting, reforming, without you even needing to speak. I became like one of those tiny ballerinas who enfold from the raised lid of a jewellery box and perform for as long as needed. Do you ever wonder what happens to them once the lid is closed? Do they continue to swoop and swirl, limbs gliding through the cramped space below the polished wood, eyes wide and searching for the cracks that will bring the light, buried alive? You believed that we were special, set apart from other lovers, and I took it upon myself to ensure that we never had that moment. That moment when two people in love suddenly see each other, without the twin deceits of passion and hope obscuring the view, and they falter and move on, but are never quite the same. Think of a pressed flower between the pages of a book. It's still recognizable, it looks like what it is, but it's lost the freshness, the essence that once it had. You still keep it, It it still triggers the fond memories that led to its capture and crush, but it's no longer the perfect thing it was. It's the same with love. I never thought to ask you what our future would be, Never thought to establish whether you would take me away from this island and introduce me to the world I'd been waiting my whole life to meet. I thought that would be obvious. You thought your intention, to keep what we had away from the complications of your life, to keep me pure, was just as obvious. And so we never talked about any of it until it was too late. My, my breakfast splashed around the toilet bowl, my womb no longer a hollow den. Do you remember those nights when you stretched out on your stomach on the grass beneath the oak and I tapped out tunes up and down your spine? You guessed wrong every time. Every time. Do you remember that? Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bear Fiction Magazine podcast, recorded on August the 21st, 2014. That was Carly Holmes. Next week we take a slight break from our podcast as we will be bringing you a live video reading of poetry from dan o'brien and rebecca goss on sunday august the 31st and we'd like your questions for them too you can get more details on our website you can subscribe to this free podcast in the itunes store via the stitcher radio on demand app and on soundcloud you can follow us on social media on twitter facebook instagram google plus and others by searching for Bear fiction some of the writing from Bear Fiction Magazine can also be found on our website, bearfictionmagazine.co.uk, where print, digital copies, and subscriptions are available to purchase, of course. For full details about the Bear Fiction Prize and our awards for poetry, flash fiction, and short story, visit the competition pages on bearfictionmagazine.co.uk forward slash competitions. The deadline is October the 31st this year. Music for this podcast was Sidewalk Shade by Kevin McLeod and is provided under a Creative Commons license. I'm Robert Harper, editor of the magazine, and you've been listening to the Bear Fiction Podcast.